Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Well, Sue and I are very excited. Fred, Abby, the whole staff are going to be there tomorrow night. We just had somebody ask a question, Sue. Can you relay that question yeah, that somebody Sam, just asked? Sam asked. Do you, you realize you can be watching us live on YouTube or on the Twitters. But he said, is there any way to buy or win a ticket to the sold-out event for tomorrow? And unfortunately, the answer is uh, no. We might have some scalpers outside the venue. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, no, but no. people paid. This is a, you know, it was a tight ticket. It was $110. So I don't know if we're going to have many no-shows. We, we will let people know tomorrow. But, yeah, it just it sold out fast, it which did. tells me we didn't price it high enough. But everyone got a good bargain. Brian will be here in the studio in the 4 o'clock hour tomorrow afternoon before he takes off for Eureka. So for those of you who are not going to be there, we will miss you. For those of you who are going to be there, I think it's going to be a magical event. Even Jane Duker is going to be there yes. after the roundtable tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So um, I, want to, I want to start this next segment just by reading the first paragraph of a piece that was in The Federalist that I saw from our next guest, Kent Heckenlively. And he wrote, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, we've talked about this quite a bit with John Seiler and others, DEI agenda is a dead-end philosophy that can only end in the destruction of all groups. Is it any wonder that we're currently seeing this Frankenstein monster rampage through society, whether it be the Nashville shooter targeting white children or Palestinian groups turning on their Democratic supporters? If the frame you present only consists of victims and their abusers, there is only one way this can end, and that's with the poisoning of our entire society. Those are strong words, and they have a new book out um, called The Diversity Con, The Secrets and Lies Behind the Shady DEI Industry. David Johnson wrote this with Kent, and Kent Heckenlively, that's not an easy name, Kent, I just want to say, joins us tonight on uh, 97.1 FM Talk. How are you, Kent? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Mark. Well, th- this is fascinating, and I, you know, in your piece, you unveil some things, and I've followed this issue quite a bit, but I, I even learned some things, and I think I would learn quite a bit from your book. But describe what you did here, because you guys did like a complete deep dive. Your um, you know, colleague, David Johnson, went undercover to find out some of this stuff, right? All kinds of investigations. Yeah, you know, I think my hero is Peter Schweitzer, who's done so many great books. And I've always kind of asked myself, okay, 
if Peter Schweitzer was investigating this, what would they do? And so we started with David Johnson going undercover at a lot of these DEI trainings and looking at how the brainwashing takes place, okay? Because every one of us wants to be a good person. And I think that's one thing that the DEI people take advantage of is every one of us wants to be fair to each other. And what David found in his undercover work was he found that there was usually a three-step process. So let's say it's a three-day conference. Day one, it's just a, a bunch of interesting history, you know, things like what they did in the Jim Crow South, which was not just keeping people of different races from marrying each other, but things like a black man could not play checkers with a white man. Horrible things. Well, why is right. that? Yeah. The, the, the reason that they didn't want that to happen is because when we just mix with each other, what we discover is not our differences, but our commonalities, our common humanity. Okay, so day one kind of gives you a lot of interesting history. You end that day feeling like, oh, this, I really learned something. Right. Day two, they introduce some kind of controversial ideas, and they let you sit with it, but they're not pushing you. Day three is when the craziness starts. That's when they give you the trans agenda. That's when they start doing things like saying, isn't it terrible that this New York University arts professor was prosecuted for child pornography when all she did was take pictures of her seven-year-old son playing with himself and put it in an art show, okay? And so it's, it really, it's a process of brainwashing, and brainwashing never starts with the crazy stuff. It starts with pulling you in. Yes. And yes. so, we, we, yeah. Well, and then one thing I want to point out here, because as someone who's talked about this issue for several years and, you know, tried to make an impression, and I I never know exactly if the audience really understands what's going on with DEI and how it's being worked, but I think it's easier to understand right now, and here's why, sadly, because of what's happening in Israel and Gaza, because that's being broken down the same way that these DEI courses break it down, and we're hearing people, young people from across the country, say oppressor versus oppressed. I mean, that's really what it boils down to, right? Yeah, and if we we're always looking at it from the from the framework of oppressor and oppressed, well, I if I'm an oppressed person, I never want to become an oppressor, and 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 you know, so what we need to say is, look, all human societies have done terrible things. The Africans did terrible thing to Af- things to Africans. That's right. The Africans had European slaves. Okay. The Asians did terrible things. The question is, how do we as human beings become better people? And I think that is what the genius of the American system is. Because when you look at what our founders did, our founders understood that power will tend to seek more power. And so they said the real threat to human liberty is not individuals, but organizations, be they corporations or governments. So I think that that what and the the reoccurring question that we had when David Johnson went undercover, and I think this is another critical part of our book, was we said, why are these well-funded, obviously well-funded organizations, 
I'm pushing Marxism. There's really no money in Marxism. So what's going on here? And that's when we stumbled across the Tides Foundation of San Francisco, which I think is best described as a left-wing money laundering chaos machine. And why do I say that? Well, it's a nonprofit. And if you know the nonprofit world, nonprofits are supposed to struggle, right? (laughs) Well, using publicly available financial information, we found that in election year 2020, they received over $500 million in donations. Oh, my God. And gave out more gave out more than $600 million in grants. Who do they give out grants to? They give grants out to people like, to groups like Black Lives Matter. So if you investigate Black Lives Matter, you find out that it's been run by a Tides Foundation organization. And you'll find this all over the place. And who is donating to these groups? Well, it's like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, George Soros, Society for an Open Foundation, Ford Foundation has given over $100 million to them. And it's a really interesting legal organization, okay? So everything I'm saying, I think, is 100% legal but completely immoral. So what can you do with, at the Tides Foundation? Well, you're, you're a rich guy, and let's say – you say you tell the four, the Tides Foundation, hey, I want to invest in one of your funds, which they have. I'm going to park $10 million there for a couple of years. I get a good rate of return. Then I whisper to the Ford Foundation, hey, why don't you give $4 million to Black Lives Matter? Well, the money doesn't come from me, the rich guy. It comes from the Tides Foundation. And so... It's a legal mechanism to give money to the most radical organizations, creating the most chaos and division. And, and, you know, I use COVID as kind of an analogy. During the COVID crisis, $4 trillion went from the middle class to the billionaire class. Okay? And so the money isn't in Marxism. The money is in monopolies. So the opinion that we came up with is that these rich guys who are donating to the Tides Foundation, it's not because they believe in Marxism. It's because they believe in monopolies. And this is a wonderful way to shovel even more money to the billionaire class. Kent Hecken-Lively is with us. Uh, The book is called The Diversity Con, The Secrets and Lies Behind the Shady DEI Industry. Talk about corporate America and and how they've gotten involved in this whole thing. Well, you know, I describe the DEI agenda like a tasty smoothie with a dash of fentanyl in it. (laughs) Eventually, it's going to cause a fatal overdose. Okay, so when companies like Disney drink the DEI smoothie... What happens? They end up, as their most recent financial statements show, $800 million loss in their movie business. Attendance at their parks is plunging so much that they've got to increase ticket prices 21%. Okay, so DEI is an agenda that destroys everything it touches. And so these businesses 
who've taken the DEI smoothie with a dash of fentanyl are really playing with fire and, and they need to wake up and, you know, stop drinking the DEI Kool-Aid and they can recover their financial health. But, you know, some companies like Disney, you know, who knows what's going to happen five years from now uh, if they keep doing this stuff. So, uh, I I warn all American businesses stay away from DEI. It's poison. Don't you feel like this is one of those issues? And and I would even say with people listening here tonight in in my audience, and they've heard about DEI, but not everyone's really you know up to speed with what it is. But when you describe it to people, let's just say you're you're saying diversity, equity, and inclusion to just regular people who don't know what's going on and they don't know the Marxist angles. Well, that sounds just great, right? Well, who's opposed to DEI, right? Kent, that sounds like something we should promote. So a lot of people, I think, don't ever dig into the nuances like you are clearly in this book. But you understand where I have some concern that this doesn't get rooted out properly because most people aren't paying attention. That's part of the problem with all of society, probably. Yeah, and here's what I say. I'm a traditional liberal arts guy, okay? So I love my arts, okay? And I believe that the, the, the purpose of good literature is to promote the common humanity of us, to create unity. And this DEI, by showing how we're so much more similar, then we're different. And the terrible thing with the DEI agenda and philosophy is it only promotes our differences and it does not give us a way to live together. Dr. Martin Luther King gave us a way to live together. We judge each other, not by our skin color, not by our gender, but by the content of our character and our actions. That is a way that society is strong and united because we treat each other as individuals, not as members of warring groups. Kent, I mentioned at the beginning of the interview um, John Seiler, who's been a guest. Are you familiar with John's work? He's with the National Association of Scholars and some of the things that he's done on DEI. Uh, I'm not. So what? And, and this, I'm sure you cover this in the book. But John's mission has been to go out and find universities, not unlike my alma mater, the University of Missouri, and find out what they're doing with with hiring quotas to a certain extent, with DEI and the questions that are asked, if you don't check off the right boxes, in other words, you know, this has become somewhat common at medical schools and law schools and in other ways to hire academ- people in academia. If you don't check the right boxes off, you can have all the experience in your field in the world, but if you don't come through on DEI, well, that that's a problem. So John's really exposed a lot of this, and many universities across the country have backed off those policies, mainly because they think they think they're going to lose in the courts. But I guess my question for you would be, do you sense that some some of that is happening in a positive light, that it's being exposed, and that universities in particular, I don't know about corporate America, are backing off some of this. Or not. I don't know. Yeah, I have some friends who are in um, uh, Ivy League universities teaching, and they tell me their stories of what happens. And I just feel like there's this, there's this underground resistance to the whole DEI agenda because it's not getting them the qualified people that they want. And, right. You know, these are people, you know, whose hearts are all in the right places. We all want every group to succeed, but we want to make sure that it happens in the right way. So I think that, uh, I, I, I really think that woke has become a joke at this time. Uh, I loved Elon Musk, you know, 
dropping a couple of oh, choice yeah. words yes. when asked about advertisers. And, I, you know, it only takes a few people standing up for everybody else to realize the emperor has no clothes. I agree with you. Well, listen, is the book out, Kent, right now, the Diversity Con? It is out right now. You can... Oh, we lost him right when we were right asking. When we, oh, right when we were asking him to promote the book. Let's see. If he, so, there you go. You got to start all that over again, Ken, because you dipped out on the cell signal right as you were starting to give the details of the book. People want to hear that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so it's available Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those places. Please, when you buy the book and you read it, please put an a review out on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Goodreads. It's so important to drive sales and get this message out there. Kent, thank you so much, and uh, your best to David Johnson. My best to David Johnson, your co-author here. The book is called The Diversity Con, The Secrets and Lies Behind the Shady DEI Industry, kind of pulling the uh, covers off some of the nonsense that's going on out there. Kent, thank you so much. You have a great week. Thanks so much, Mark. He, he mentioned the Elon. Let me just play this again. This was audio cut of the day yesterday, but it has gotten quite a bit of attention in the last 24 hours, and I opened the show with it just talking about this a little bit because this was um, a New York Times event yesterday, and Kamala Harris was on stage. But at this point, Elon Musk is being grilled by Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Andrew really is taken back because he doesn't know how to respond to Elon Musk. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise. No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money. Go f yourself. But Awkward. Yeah. Go f yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I, I hope it is. Hey, Bob. If you're in the audience. Well, well, let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Yeah, uh, he's talking about Bob Iger from Disney, who um, I guess had been in an event earlier in the uh, in the day. Well, I, I thought that was pretty clear. I'm not sure. I guess it just threw the interviewer for a loop. I don't understand that. Yeah, you know, the only thing I would say about Andrew L. Sarkin is he's a he's a print guy, but he didn't handle. You, there were ways to follow up on that, right? right? That he didn't. He just had his mouth open. Um, on the topic of, I want to circle back to this just because this is, maybe I shouldn't waste this. It should be audio cut of the day, but I'm going to do it now anyway, because we were talking about oppressor versus oppressed, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, the libs of TikTok. If you don't follow that on X, formerly Twitter, Elon Musk platform, you're missing out on some great content. Maybe some of the best content that's out there outside of my Twitter handle, which Fair is enough. at Mark Reardon KFTK. <laughs> so this is another libs of TikTok expo. Well, not expose, but they expose these people out there. This is just some progressive who says this. What do y'all think revolution resistance is? Like, I really want to ask y'all, what do you think that entails? Do you think it's cute? Do you think it's just posting squares online? I'm trying to talk about how marginalized people, when they're dealing with violent oppression, the response is typically going to be violent back because they're going to mirror the tactics of the oppressor. I'm using enslaved black people as an example, and someone's like, oh, well, does that include um, unaliving children and doing this to women? What do you think? What do you think? Atrocities absolutely happen to the innocence of the oppressors. And, and one could even argue whether you can call them innocent. If you yeah, so one can even argue whether they're innocent. So uh, let's follow the logic here. When Israel responds to a terrible terrorist attack, right, where people paratroop in to a music festival and rape women and celebrate it and eat the meals that are being prepared and take kids out of kibbutzes and stuff like that, they... They're the bad guys in this person. And, and this is what you're seeing on college campuses. Yeah, it makes this is what no you're seeing sense. in these protests, right? 
there it doesn't matter if innocent people on that side and I'm telling you this is so tied in with BLM and what happened here mm. in St. Louis with Ferguson because this is on a larger scale of course but the feeling on many people who are African American and others we've been oppressed for so long let's light it up let's set the fires because this is what the white supremacists have coming and I don't know, Sue, and I, I don't mean, well, I'm a pessimistic person overall, right? I'm not exactly a glass half full person. I don't know how you turn this around because th- there are people, they're, they're not going to believe, they don't believe what they're seeing. Even when you've lost the New York Times and the Washington Post, when they've had to admit, hey, it's not really Israel's mm-hmm. fault here. We're, we're investigating all of these things and Hamas is the, uh, they're the bad guys, right? Not to say that some bad things might not happen with innocent civilians. We know that. I'm just stunned with all the evidence that's presented that people don't change their mind. Well, they don't listen. They don't care. They just have an opinion, and that's their religion. It is their religion, and it just comes down. That's why you can dial it down to oppressed versus oppressor, and that's why some of this is being tied together, I think, a little bit more you know, conveniently just because we're seeing everything that's happening in Israel, and maybe you can have a little better understanding of what's been going on with what our last guest was talking about with DEI and some of the nonsense out there. Let's face it, we've, over the years, Sue, we've talked about some of these things, even in the world of classical music, where you do auditions behind the screen, but that's not good enough for the DEI folks. They want something different. It's nonsense. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
right, tonight you'll hear it on 97.1 FM Talk and see it on Fox with Sean Hannity, Ron DeSantis, or do you say DeSanctimonious, Gavin Newsom, Florida versus California. If you ended up with like a Newsom, they would have policies that would really accelerate the decline of this country. Whereas I think Florida represents a model where we can reverse the decline and have an American revival. You don't like him. I know. No, I just don't like, well, I don't like people that demonize other people or, 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 uh, or go after vulnerable communities, but also don't like liars. Oh, good Lord. We'll see what happens. Dan McLaughlin with a senior writer for National Review, wrote about some things relating to Nikki Haley. We'll get to that. Dan, how are you this evening? Good to be here. Let's talk about the uh, the debate tonight and how kind of Nikki Haley plays into all of this. I know you wrote a great column about how the uh, Koch Network got involved here, but let me just get your thoughts on tonight with DeSantis and Newsom, and does this even matter? I know a lot of what you wrote about was how people are kind of losing faith in DeSantis, you know, some of these donors, but do you expect anything tonight that will uh, be beneficial to the presidential race, Dan? Well, obviously, we're not going to know until much later on whether anything matters uh, in this primary, frankly. I mean, if you look at the public polling uh, since Donald Trump was indicted in March, he has looked bulletproof. Uh, And, you know, if Trump's support uh, remains where it is, then it's it's really not going to matter anything that either DeSantis or Haley does. But but, you know, the voting hasn't started yet. We don't know that. and so I think if you're looking at this, particularly from DeSantis's perspective, I think tonight is very important, more important than he expected when he scheduled this debate. Um, because DeSantis really is right now fighting for, uh, you know, fighting to convince people that he is still the the, the main opponent, uh, the guy that, that you should be getting behind if, if you are looking for a change from Trump. Um And, you know, one of the things, if you look strategically at the way DeSantis has approached the debates and the way Nikki Haley has approached the debates, it's been quite different, the the intra-Republican candidate debates. Haley has really come to fight, and she has very successfully picked a lot of fights or allowed fights to be picked with her, with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy in particular. Um, And that has raised her profile. Combat uh, gets eyeballs. Uh, it gets people's attention. DeSantis has done something very different. In each of the debates, he has basically plowed forward with his message. Uh, he has hammered home his message. Uh, and I think it's a low-risk strategy. He's executed it pretty well for the most part. But what he hasn't done is created a lot of viral moments. He hasn't really shown that he can get in there uh, very often and really mix it up with yeah. an opponent. Yeah, I would agree with that. So and, then, Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, and, and, and partly that's partly that's who he is, but it's also partly a matter of, um, you know, the fact that, that I think he philosophically doesn't like fighting with other Republicans if he can avoid it. And so, you know, now he's dealing with somebody he disagrees with on everything. Uh, and I think it's really his chance to show, you know, one-on-one stage – uh, that he can that he can take that fight. He doesn't. He's not just a guy who gets things done and tells you what he does, but he's a guy who can actually, you know, contend in a hostile environment. Wall Street Journal had a piece today that kind of you know went down um, point by point some of the differences between California and Florida when it comes to the numbers, you know, uh, unemployment, all of these things that kind of play into some of the topics tonight. And DeSantis wins on pretty much every one of them. Now, whether he can communicate that, my concern with this debate is, you know, Gavin Newsom's slick. 
He is slick, and I think he has more to gain than to lose. I think DeSantis has more to lose than to gain tonight, personally. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, again, because, I, I mean, I think uh, Newsom is very slick, uh, you know, and and he is slippery. Um, and obviously, he's because he's not currently running a national campaign, the stakes are not that high for him. Uh, you know, if he has a, a disappointing night, it will be forgotten. Um, whereas, you know, DeSantis is sort of in that, in that mode of fairly late in a campaign where you're kind of living news cycle to news cycle. Uh, and so it will be, the impact of this will be much more magnified on him, but I think it's, he's, he's got to be willing to take some risks and swing for the fence a bit because yeah. he's, you know, behind in the national polls. Dan McLaughlin from National Review with us. All right, so let's talk about Americans for Prosperity Action. This is the uh, super PAC from the uh, the Koch brothers. I guess Charles Koch is, one of them is only alive, right? One of them passed away. But they endorsed Nikki Haley in the primary. How big of a deal is that? Now, obviously, you got the, uh, I think even the Trump forces, DeSantis has responded, well, this just proves Nikki Haley is an establishment Republican, taking money like this. So that's how they're, you know, approaching it. But how significant is it in your point, in, in your, you know, opinion? Yeah, I mean, I dismiss that a bit. I mean, the DeSantis people obviously would very much like to have had this endorsement. Um, and, and, and Americans for Prosperity Action is not – I mean, the thing is, it, there's some question as to what the Republican establishment is really at, these days. I mean, the people who run the party infrastructure itself are all Trump people at this point. Um, and, you know, the sort of traditional, somewhat more moderate uh, – you know, Chamber of Commerce type establishment is a little different from from AFP, which is more libertarian leaning. Um, so it's a little and more yeah. free market rather than pro business. But um, look, I, in terms of persuasion, there aren't that many people who will be persuaded by an AFP action endorsement of Haley other than, you know, donors. Um, but it does it does, on the one hand, send an important message, you know, to donors and such. Uh, who are going to give, you know, a, a longer look at Haley now. Um, and the other side of this is that it brings – they have organizational muscle, right? They've got people on the ground. They've got money for ads. So even if most voters don't know who AFP Action is and don't care, um, you know, they have the resources to actually make the difference, particularly in some of these early states that are, you know, fairly small electorates where – uh, real changes to the turnout environment on the ground can make a big difference. So in, in your piece, Dan, you said, look, if Iowa remains the one bullet left in DeSantis's chamber to establish himself as the alternative to Trump, this move by AFP ought to be an immediate signal to Chris Christie to get out. Uh, that doesn't seem to be happening, though, right? Yeah, it, I mean, I'm still I, I'm still somewhat optimistic that Christie might eventually get the message, um, but uh, you know, it's been difficult to get that message through to him. He certainly didn't show in 2016 a great sense of timing in terms of you know knowing to get out when um, you know when he no longer had a chance to win anything and could only play spoiler. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Christie, Christie. I mean, the thing is, Christie. It's not DeSantis right now that Christie is competing with. It's Haley. Yeah. Uh, Christie is camping out in New Hampshire. He's he's marketing himself to the same voters that Haley is is going for. So I, I really think that that he should get out. You know, as, as we've seen with Mike Pence and and Tim Scott, 
I think a lot of these guys kind of wait for the next debate. You know, they, yeah, they kind of yeah. tell themselves, give me one more debate and then I'll get out if it, if I don't move the needle again. Because uh, both Pence and Scott sort of stuck around one more debate and then and then left the race. So I think we might see that with Christie, that, that if, if after this next debate he's still not going anywhere, maybe he'll pull out. But oh. – um, well, but let's say let's say Christie's out, and you know Nikki Haley se- seems to continue to surge. How can you challenge the numbers that Trump has, unless the polling is misleading? Obviously, in Iowa's a little different process, right, Dan? Yeah, I mean because it's a caucus, Iowa is hard. It, it, the turnout matters more, and um, it is very hard to poll. Uh, there have been a lot of surprises over the years in Iowa. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the, the story you have to tell yourself if you're, if you're hoping to see somebody other than, other than Trump there is simply that, look, you know, Trump has enormous name recognition. He's kind of the de facto incumbent, but there's still a lot of people out there who haven't been following this race all that closely. Now, partly Trump has succeeded in his strategy of staying out of the debates so that people don't focus more on what's going on, um, you know, and don't think about who the alternatives are. I think shrinking the debate stage does, to, to the extent people still watch the debates, I think shrinking the stage with fewer and fewer candidates obviously helps uh, the remaining kind of important candidates stand out. I always feel like this time of year, so here we are just uh, four weeks before Christmas, we wrapped up Thanksgiving in Iowa, you know, they're going to be going there nonstop. The folks in Iowa are going to be paying attention. The rest of the country is going to be focusing on, you know, not working around the holidays and toward Christmas and New Year's. And then all of a sudden you got two weeks until the primary or until the caucuses. And I guess I bring all that up because, man, this is going to be here fast, isn't it, Dan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It comes up uh, January 15th. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I do think that, I mean, the big hope for both DeSantis and Haley is, you know, that the results in Iowa and New Hampshire will get people's attention in other states. Uh, DeSantis, I think, really needs to win Iowa at this point. I don't know that unless it's a really unusual circumstance, I don't know that even a strong second is, is no, going to. I don't think so either, especially if you got Kim Reynolds endorsement, right? He has. It's not just Kim Reynolds, the governor. He also has the endorsement of Bob Vanderplatz, who is, you know, a very important and influential social conservative leader in, in Iowa who has endorsed the winners of the last three Iowa caucuses. So Vander Platt's, you know, he's, he's partly that's that he's a symbol as much as a leader, but, you know, his, his words carry weight. Dan McLaughlin from National Review. Always appreciate it, Dan. By the way, on the baseball note, because you, you do share a passion for baseball, even though you're not the other guy, Cardinals picked up some pitchers this week, finally. We, we needed them desperately. We need more. If you have any available that you're aware of, just kind of send them our way if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, speaking as a Mets fan, I can absolutely tell you we have no pitchers to spare. <laughs> Didn't you guys just pick someone up yesterday, though? I think I saw something. Yeah, Severino. Yeah, that's Luis right, Severino. Severino. All right, well, we're, we're both in the same boat with teams that had massively disappointing seasons. Dan, you have a great, great holiday period, and we will talk soon, maybe before the caucuses. All right, you too. Very much looking forward to tomorrow, not only because it's a Friday and the weekend is here, but we have a Reardon Roundtable at 3, and then Mr. Brian Kilmeade will be in town. He's going to visit with us if the flight is on schedule. That's exciting. Yeah, he's going to be here in the studio in the 4 o'clock hour, and then we are going to wrap up the show in the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to head out to Eureka. Brian will be out there at 6 o'clock when everyone arrives at Brookdale Farms. We have our Kilmeade Christmas event. He's going to have copies of his book, Teddy and Booker 
tea. He'll uh, meet and greet, and he takes time for everyone. So I've got a room of about 330, 350 people. I think 330 listeners with, with the staff, it's like 350, Sue. But it's going to be a lot of fun. We had so much fun last year at oh, the MAC. So great. So it's going to be fantastic. And Brian, it, 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 he's the best. He works so hard. Yeah, he, he does. He really deeply, deeply, sincerely appreciates the fact that 97.1 in St. Louis has his radio show on the air. So you'll Very see nice. that on full display, and we'll um, we'll have some dinner, we'll have some drinks, uh, sit around, get to know each other. Brian will do a little presentation, we'll do a and a and have fun from there. So we look forward to that. It's going to be a big Friday, there's no doubt about that. Let's do this this afternoon. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. Sponsored by my friends at the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. We love Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. He's featured in some of the show opens, and he always has some great moments at Senate hearings. And there was one yesterday on gun violence, and one of the witnesses was Dr. Megan Rainey, who works at the Yale School of Public Health, and she's talking about gun violence and gun deaths and things like that, like in states like Missouri. And then comparing Missouri not really including the city of St. Louis, to Chicago and basically making an argument that, well, Chicago's pretty bad, but, you know, Missouri's bad, too. So Mississippi, Louisiana, and Missouri actually have higher firearm death rates. Um, Obviously, there's certain... What about Chicago? So I don't live in Chicago. It's not my primary area of research. You don't have an opinion on that? I think there's easy access to firearms compared with, combined with environmental conditions, uh, lack of great education. There have actually been studies showing that when you green vacant lots and repair abandoned buildings in urban neighborhoods, you see decreases in gunshots, in violence, as well as in stress and depression in the neighborhoods around them. No disrespect, Doc, but that... Sounds a lot like word salad to me. If you heard her solution there for reducing gun violence in urban America, it's to take a vacant lot and plant some trees, maybe, or put a little grass in there, and that's going to solve all the problems, along with a social worker or two. Yale, educated. There you go. That's your audio cut of the day. We'll see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock at Reardon Roundtable. Have a great Thursday. Get more at 971talk.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.